based on the last 12 years of my career, the best advice I could say is just plow through it. You will have these swings of emotions on a day-to-day basis. Some days you're going to wake up and you're going to feel like you can conquer the world. And other days you're going to say, man, I can't do anything right. What I found is that usually you're in reality, you're somewhere more in the middle. And so I think stay steady, stay level and, uh, you know, plow through any challenges. Don't give up. Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real-Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. All right, welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Nick Falcone, the CEO of Rental Resorts, here with us. Nick, thanks for spending this afternoon with us. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Appreciate it. Well, we always start with everyone's first job in hospitality, and yours isn't the traditional one, but I think it's really important to hear how you got started in this world of hospitality. Definitely. To really start with that story, the best thing to do is talk about my uh, my family. My family's been in the hospitality business for decades, and uh, my dad actually had the luck and the vision to actually be one of the first franchisees for McDonald's back uh, wow. many years ago. So uh, it got involved very early on at a very young age, and um, I was always preached growing up how much he learned from hospitality, specifically the restaurant business. He's gone on to become a very successful developer and diversified in many industries, but he always kind of touches on the base that he received from the restaurant business. So that was ingrained in my brothers and I. We uh, were always very passionate about getting our roots in hospitality and starting kind of in a similar fashion. And so my first hospitality job was actually uh, Jimmy John's, which is you know, a restaurant job. I did all the things that you, know, you would do in a restaurant, cleaning, cooking, delivery, you know, busting tables, and you know, just really uh, working from the ground up you know, and putting in a lot of sweat and, and effort to really work my way up within that. Getting out of college and really starting my career in a much bigger way and looking for ways to uh, create opportunity and, and upside, you know, I'd saved up a lot of money working through college and, you know, a couple jobs right out of it and started looking for ways I could deploy some of that money into doing my own thing. I was very passionate about ensuring that my brothers and I created our own path and that we didn't just kind of join the family business. So I started looking for restaurant you know, brands that I can be associated with or restaurants in general that I can get associated with. And we actually came across BurgerFi. And I don't know if you're familiar with BurgerFi, but at the time, about 12 years ago, there was no franchisees. There was one restaurant and 
we came across it and loved the food, loved the atmosphere, felt like it had so much um, upside and ability for us to take the brand to another level. And being that it was a new new concept at the time, they hadn't started franchising, we were able to negotiate a really good deal with them to be able to buy the territory of Miami-Dade County. Uh, I was able to put all my money really into that and locking in that territory. And then through family, we was able to uh, raise some dollars for our first restaurant, uh, along with some other investors. And that was kind of the start for us. We put our wow. first our restaurant in Fort Lauderdale. Had a tremendous success with it. And one turned into two, which turned into four, which now we're up to uh, seven burger fries with three more coming. And we've diversified that into becoming the first franchisees now of Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza. So we'll be the first people in the country that are bringing those two concepts together into one under one roof. And uh, we've continued to expand our food and beverage offering, but that's led to a whole bunch of other stuff within hospitality, which I'm sure we'll touch on today. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot to unpack right off the bat. So first off, I'm located right here in downtown Miami. So I know BurgerFi and it's awesome to know that you are the owner. I had no idea. Uh, So that's great to see. But I I wanted to just go back to college really quick. Right. So you're at Jimmy John's. I went to Florida State. I see you at Florida State. All right. All right. So were you working Jimmy John's at Florida State? I was. Yeah. 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 So you are, I know exactly where it's located. And so that's great to hear that you started there. Was that like where you got this itch or was it from being with your dad and working? Did you ever work at the McDonald's or was it just like you started working for real the first one at Jimmy John's at Tallahassee? Yeah, that was my first restaurant job was the uh, Jimmy Johnson Tallahassee and uh, Gold Knowles, by the way. That's awesome. Yeah, Gold Knowles. I, I got the itch really just, I would say, for working in general, though, back to the family business. So by the time I was of age to, to start working, which in our family was was pretty young, I would say that's around like eight, nine years old or whatnot. We started getting into the business a bit. We didn't have any restaurants anymore. My dad had actually sold out of his McDonald's and he also became a very large Wendy's franchisee after the McDonald's. So by that point, he was out of those businesses and he had gotten into the development business. So, you know, as early as eight years old, we were in the office doing different things, helping with uh, administrative work and filing papers away and whatnot. And, you know, as we got a little bit older, started going into the construction fields a bit and started helping building houses and on construction sites. So had a, uh, had an itch to work at a very young age and really passionate about it. So when you're in Florida State, I see you went to this school of business. I went there too. And then I went to the hospitality. Did you go to hospitality as well? Or you're just like, I'm going to stick in business. And was it an idea like, I really want to own something of my own? Is that always the mindset you've had? Yeah, it definitely was. I, uh, I again, took a little bit of a unique path. Being that my whole business revolves around hospitality and real estate, I did not go to school for that. I, To your point, I went to school for uh, business as a undergrad and as a minor but my majors was actually economics and uh, sociology. I was really, really interested in economics in general and understanding how the world of economics works and uh, how to read people, knowing that I wanted to own my own business. I wanted to really be great at the people side of it and how to interact and motivate teams. So I took a little bit of a unique route that got me to where I am. That's awesome. And so when you graduate, look, we all graduate with big ideas. I remember I came out like, ah, oh, we're going to make millions of dollars. I'm 23. You found BurgerFi. Like, it's one thing to have that idea. How did you start putting that together? Like, that's what we're going to do. Because there's only one store, like you said at the time. But yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. So again, I think it goes back to um, family roots. You know, hearing my dad talk about everything that he learned from the restaurant business. You know, if you think about restaurants, people don't realize you could make or break the successful restaurant way before you open the doors by picking a bad location or negotiating a bad rent deal. You know, so a lot of what we learned from the business stems from our real estate background and knowing how to 
go and find those right sites and, and work those deals and whatnot. It was a pretty interesting approach or whatnot in regards to how we got involved, how we got interested. But my vision ultimately when we got into the BurgerFi was, and just in general in my career has always been, how do I control the content by using hospitality to increase the value of real estate? And we felt that, again, restaurants was our entryway to learning the business and learning aspects of real estate, hospitality, and everywhere in between. But the ultimate goal was to build up the platform, build up the portfolio to where we had more restaurant holdings and we could diversify into other areas of hospitality so that I could then go to developers and say, hey, you have a venue. I can manage it and create upside for you and create additional value for you, whether it was a retail location, going in and putting restaurants into the retail center. And now what we're doing today with resorts, we're able to really take the resort performance to another level. So developers that own these big resorts or residential resorts as well, we're, we've come up with the formula to really take those success to another level and um, you know increase the value in a big way. That's awesome. So you mentioned your dad earlier. Like, I'm lucky I got a great dad who was an attorney for a lot of hotels. And yeah. So that was kind of like my un- unfair advantage. Like he got me in to one of my first awesome jobs on South Beach. And I always still lean on him for a lot of advice and people still look up to him for a lot of things. Is that kind of how you have it with your dad too? Is it like, hey, I have this idea. I want to do BurgerFi. What do you think? And he kind of coaches you through or was it you and your team already knowing what to do right out the gate? He's definitely been a huge mentor. I would say that uh, in our DNA, it was kind of ingrained and we had a lot of it just naturally in regards to knowing what to do and how to position ourselves. But having someone that's gone through it, has the experience that I can lean on as a mentor, I think was uh, something that was so valuable to us and being able to do it with family and be able to, um, you know, kind of lean on family a bit to get some of that mentoring and that education was really big for us. But I've also had some just really great mentors in other areas. And I I think that for everyone who's listening on the podcast, I can't stress enough the importance of having the right mentors, whether it be family or external, uh, because that really helps, you know, take everything to another level and another velocity, you know, speed of how you can get to where you want to be. It's true. And listeners rewind that because it's a great piece of advice. And that's why we're on the Hospitality Mentor podcast right now. So you get your BurgerFi agreement set up, you raise the money. Do you remember what opening day was like? Do you remember that feeling of actually opening the doors the first day? A hundred percent. First restaurant, you know, first time we owned something, it was it was hectic, as you can imagine. My brother, Dan and I, who really started the company together, my brother, Matt, joined us really right after. We lived in the restaurant, especially, obviously, the first day, but the first year. I, I don't think we really left the building. Wow. We opened the restaurant. We would have our openers there as early as 6 a.m. Our closers were there till 1231 in the morning. And I would say that that first year, Dan and I, we maybe took two days off. You know, we were there open to close pretty much every day. And that was also something that I I can't stress enough. In today's world, I think hard work is underrated and whatnot, but there's nothing that replaces getting in, rolling up your sleeves and knowing how your business works. And, And also translating that to knowing how to motivate your people. You can only be so successful by yourself and you know, being in there and knowing what makes people tick and how to get people to perform at the highest level. That was really the biggest thing that I felt we learned in that first year of really spending the time getting into the weeds and uh, really mastering that side of it, which really helped us take our business to another level because we were able to then take those people and have it where they became our managers and our leaders in future locations. So it really became our, our training ground for uh, our expansion. Man, so you were grinding that first year. 
Yeah. Were there times where you're just like, what did we get ourselves into? Or was it like, all right, we got it. We got the rhythm. I worked at Jimmy John's. I know how to make this happen. More of the latter. There's always those questionable moments where you're going through uh, tough times or challenges where you, you ask yourself, am I crazy? But for the most part, I would say that we were ready. We were ready to rock and roll and you know, put in the hours and, and really just do it the right way. So we, we saw we were able to kind of take the fun and, and put that at the forefront you know, and really look at it as a as a fun experience. And not a lot of people will say working that much is fun, but when you're able to take your efforts and show how that could create success and you could feel that success, it, it really does become fun and something that becomes really engaging. And so with your brothers, where do you fall on the chart of oldest, youngest, middle? Where are you at? So I'm the oldest. My brother Dan's the middle and my brother Matt's the youngest. We're all two years apart. Uh, it's like my, me and my brother. Same thing. So knowing my brothers, we could probably work together, but I'm sure we would butt heads on certain things. Did you guys line out exactly what you were going to do or was it just kind of like you naturally gravitated to the things that you were best at? I would say it was more of a natural gravitation. We had some conversations prior, but we were all really young at the times and we had experience, but not working together. So we had to explore it. There were pain points, obviously, with that as, as brothers and they were all uh, very aggressive and wanting to be successful or whatnot. So there were times where we had to realize, okay, we have to stay in our lanes and we were really able to figure out through experience what we're all really good at. Fast forward to today, I think we've we've come up with a great formula. Today, I'm the CEO of the company. I take more of a leadership and uh, role when it comes to the overall strategic direction of the business and the people side of the business and whatnot financing and everything that goes into growing the business. My brother, Dan, who's really numbers oriented and very good at that side of the world, he's really our acting CFO and he's taken more of that role and stuff that, you know, I'm not uh, the greatest at from a skill set perspective. And then my brother, Matt has taken on more of a COO role. He loves the operations. He, he loves getting in there and just working the businesses, figuring out how to, you know, increase the margins and work with the people day in, day out in the little details. So uh, we really complement each other beautifully. And it's nothing better than when you could figure that out and have it where your partners are your most trusted people because they're blood. So we're very lucky that we work well together. God, I love hearing that. Shout out to my brothers if you're listening. Uh, my youngest brother helps me with my companies now too. So it's great. It's great to have family working with us. All right. So you are got your first burger fight under your belt. You're doing good. When do you realize like, all right, we're ready for a next one? When does that mentality happen? That's a hard decision to make. Yeah, I would say it was probably about nine months in. You know, the first nine months we were, again, we were grinding. I was really passionate about not just running a restaurant the way that you would typically see it. We wanted to really have a focus on our people growth. I, again, we, we kind of looked at restaurant number one as our incubator of talent. And so most people, they come into a restaurant, they work, they go home, and it doesn't really feel like a career. We wanted to really create a path where people knew how they can grow and what exactly they needed to do to get to the next level. So for that first nine months, not only were we working in the restaurants, but when I would go home at you know midnight or whatnot, I would take an hour or two each night and I'd be writing our SOP books and our growth manuals on how we were going to train people, how we were going to set them up for success and really creating a path for them. So we actually got to the point at that nine month, let's call it year mark, where when new employees would come in, new team members, we actually, before we would put them in any training, we took the first hour, we would assign them with a mentor and we would show them how they can go from an hourly wage to becoming a GM slash partner in our business. And wow. we would tell them, this is where we'd love to see you go. And then beyond that, because we're not going to stop at restaurants, we're going to keep growing. And so that was kind of a very motivating factor for our teams. 
And when we started to see the impact that came from that of people that were just now extremely passionate to come to work and take things to another level, we realized, okay, we have the people around us to where we can go and do number two and number three. Uh, so it was about, I think it was about 15 months in, we opened our second restaurant. We started looking around nine months and we were able to kind of find the right spot, get it built and open it about 15, 16 months in. So that was when we opened up store number two. And was that also raising money or were you self-funding because the restaurant was doing well? How did you get the funds to do the second one? It was a mix of both. You know, so the restaurant was doing well. We were able to put in some of our own capital. And then we also brought in an operating partner uh, that was uh, able to infuse the business with some additional capital as well. Very nice. So you have yeah. two restaurants. Does life get doubly hard or were your systems of creating mentors and growing within to create enough people to work? What was it like now having two? Yeah, no, it was more the latter. We felt that the systems really set us up for success. Also, the second restaurant, the volume was a lot higher. We were very blessed that we picked a great location. I think we learned some of the stuff. Not, not to say our first location wasn't great, uh, but we learned some things that worked and didn't work in the first one that we applied to the second. And so uh, that second location from a volume perspective was a lot higher. And for those that are listening, it's actually kind of funny, but when you have a higher volume business, I find it's actually a lot easier to run versus yeah. a lower volume business. You know, lower volume, you have to really, really get creative with how you cr create your margins. Whereas with the higher volume, things like rent and some of your fixed costs percentage-wise come down. And so naturally your margins are bigger. You're able to really get a lot more traction with creating profitability so based on the fact that we had a lot of great team members, plus that high volume, I think it made the second one much, much easier and really became our springboard for accelerating our growth and going into the, the future of building more of them out pretty quickly. I love hearing that. So what were, like, what were some of the things that you're like, all right, we have to make sure we do this with this second one that you didn't do with the first? You kind of mentioned it, but what were some of those yeah. things? One of them would be the type of demographics and whatnot. We, we were found out really quickly that we want to be closer to residential areas for this particular concept. The first one was a little bit more of a commercial area. It was right by a mall. We thought that that was going to be really great with the walking traffic and whatnot. And we found that you really need a mix of both. And so we were able to find an area in Davie, Florida. Uh, it was right next to Nova Southeastern, which is a great feeder. It was in a big, big commercial center that created a lot of walkability. But the amount of residences that were around it were massive. And so that really took it to another level. Uh, also, the center itself did a lot of programming, you know, so they did a lot of things to actually bring new audiences all the time to the center, which we felt was really, really beneficial. There were things with ingress and egress that we looked at. So how, to, how easy is it for people to get into the center, stuff like that. Also seasonality. You know, we found that the first location, being that it was uh, closer to the beach or whatnot, certain times of the year, we found that it was slower than others, whereas in this location, it was more of a year-round type of situation. And we also found from a day part perspective that it had a tremendous amount of people in the area working that could really drive the lunch business. But then because of the residential strength, it really drove a lot of night business as well. So those were kind of some of the key things that we look for in that second location that really paid off in a big way. Man, those are great tips. Those are yeah. really smart, really well put together. You start, you say you mentioned you start to springboard this. So how rapidly do you start to add new restaurants? We did um, the next two in, I, I want to say it was about a year. So where it took us about 15 months to get to store number two, we, we got to number four about a year later. Yeah, we got to number seven within probably another two years after that. So we, we accelerated pretty quickly. But by that point, we actually found that the restaurants were kind of on autopilot. My brother, Matt, had been infused into the business really early on. 
he started taking lead on that. And to be honest with you, I I started getting a little bit bored. I said, my brother's got this. What else could we start to do to complement developers and really diversify our business? That's where we created an entirely new concept that was really to this day, I think, first of its kind and the only one that exists where we started taking the business of renting homes that you see kind of on Airbnb, Verbo and stuff like that. And we turned it into doing that in a resort setting. So all of our homes, we actually started working with developers who then built full purpose built communities where you could have it where you get a home, but you get all the aspects of a resort, all the services of a resort and brand standards all mixed in one. So that was kind of our next thing that we jumped into right after the burger fest. I love that. And people who know me and follow me, I talk about that all the time. And I've actually stayed at your resort at Margaritaville and I loved it with my kids and my wife, but I want to get back to that. But I always love the origin story. So you mentioned, all right, I'm a little bit bored. We got great employees. Like, yeah, I could go to the gym again or, you know, whatever's going on. But when do you decide like, all right, family, we're going to start to do vacation rentals. Are they like, what are you talking about, Nick? Like we got to add more restaurants or were you like, they like, yeah, let's let's give this a try. How did that conversation start? It was actually a dinner table conversation. So it kind of goes back to the family a bit. And um, this was the first time that we were able to really help our family business, where my dad had been up to this point in his career, mainly a developer of residential properties that people would be uh, used for primary right. and living in it full time. And over dinner table conversation, he was explaining how he had a property in Orlando And he was starting to sell the units and not one of the buyers was asking about anything about living in the unit. They weren't asking about the features of the unit, the schools in the area, or all the normal questions you would get from a buyer that all they want to know is how do I make money off of it? How do I bring in rentals and start using this as an investment? And so when I heard that, and I I was already kind of looking for ways I could diversify the business, I was extremely intrigued. I'd actually never in my life worked in a hotel And I'd never stayed in a vacation home at that time. So I knew nothing about the industry uh, for the most part, other than staying in hotels and and enjoying those experiences. And um, literally from that dinner table conversation, something hit me. And I said, I'm really interested in this. I immediately went and I booked a few vacation rentals. I wanted to see what it was like. And I just realized very, very quickly that it seemed like the market was very underdeveloped. It seemed like for the most part, it was dominated by individual homeowners, by smaller management companies. And there wasn't very many distribution platforms out there that were renting these type of homes. And um, literally just realized, I think we could do something different and better and, and really revolutionize the industry. So that, that dinner table conversation was the, uh, the catalyst. The first one that I went and stayed at uh, was a rental home in Orlando. And, you know, I get there, I go to the address where uh, the gentleman told me to go thinking, okay, maybe I'm going to go check in somewhere. I have no clue what this is going to be like. I get to the address, I'm at the house and I don't know what to do. I don't have a key. I don't have a code. I call the guy and I say, Hey, you know, I don't remember the guy's name, but let's say it was Joe. Hey Joe, mm-hmm. I'm here. What, what do I do? And he goes, you know what? I'm at McDonald's getting some lunch. I'll be there in 15 minutes with your key and let you in. And, and that, that experience just did it crazy things through my brain. I said, wow, this just could be way better. And, and so that, that right there really got me going. I took my whole family after exploring the industry a bit over a month or two, took my whole family, moved it up to Orlando and said, you know, what, I'm going to start a rental company and um, turn this whole thing on its head and make it better. I love hearing that. So you, you got the experience. You went and checked it out yourself. Now it's one thing to say, I'm going to do it. It's now the other to actually start yeah so how did you get started was it 
right off the bat with Margaritaville or did you have homes that you practiced with first? Like how, what was the beginning of that vacation rental world for you? Yeah. So the first resort uh, or let's call it community that we got involved with, because at the time it wasn't necessarily developed to be a resort was called Encore Resort at Reunion. And um, at the time it was called the Encore Club. So fast forward to today, it would actually be the largest resort in the state of Florida by room count. It's made up of 775 houses ranging from four to 13 bedrooms. So that was that first one that we got into. And there were a couple approved rental management companies in there. Uh, so we kind of were a little bit late to the party by the time we got in there. Did you buy a house or you were like, oh, we're going to get our name into this pool and we're going to start managing these houses? No, I got I got licensed as a property manager and uh, started offering my services to homebuyers. Again, kind of going out on a wing, never done it before. Mm -hmm. uh, the two companies that were also approved in that community, they were two of the best in the market. One had won the uh, VRMA Award, Vacation Rental Manager Association, for the last five years. And the other one was one of the top five largest management companies in the, in the world, actually, at the time. And um, you know, so we had a little bit of an uphill battle having to figure out how to compete. But very quickly, we became the dominant player and really figured out how to deploy a different business model that was really attractive to the homebuyers in there. So what were some of those differentiators? Because that's hard to do, right? Young Nick coming yeah. in here, the hustle. We've known you got the hustle now. We've learned that. Yeah. But yeah. what were some of the things that you offered that were different than the big companies that have been there for years and years? Because I know that resort yeah. or Encore, and it's a lot of people have been in that game for a long time in Orlando. Yeah, big time. Yeah, so some of the big ones, I mean, it's evolved a lot over time, but at, at the early stages, some of them that were really big that helped us compete was number one, we took an approach that we were going to have a dedicated resort staff for that property and any property that we go into. So a lot of the rental management companies in the area they would have a central office somewhere and that central office would manage homes in all these different communities that were spread out all over the place. Mm -hmm. And we felt that one of the things we could do to create a lot of owner confidence was have more dedicated service and dedicated people that knew that resort. And that's all they did was eat, sleep, breathe, encore. So that was step one, I think, was having that dedicated team. The other thing or a couple of the other things that we did was our marketing approach was very different. So we actually through a lot of the vision that we had on how we could change the game, we realized very quickly that a majority of the bookings that were coming into these houses through other vacation rental companies were coming from Airbnb and Verbo. And those were the dominant players. But what we also found was that when you put 20,000 houses in a market like Orlando onto Airbnb, it becomes really hard to differentiate and it becomes really hard to compete with each other. And what we saw was that the way that these houses were competing was by dropping rate and right. dropping rate obviously isn't good for anybody. You know, so we said to ourselves, how do we diversify the way that we distribute the product so that we could not be as reliant on one channel or two channels and have it where we can compete in areas where we can keep rates higher, we can get more exposure. So we actually came up with ways that we could promote our properties on more traditional channels like Expedia, Booking.com. We created a whole marketing approach, direct marketing approach, where we spent dollars to get people to come to our website, which is very unique in the vacation home market. And now you're not paying the third party fees. And we also uh, started working with wholesalers, travel agents. So we really diversified our marketing approach. And that really led to a lot better performance, both on the occupancy side, because now we have exposure in many more places. So a lot more eyeballs are on our product. But then also we're able to keep our rates higher because we weren't in that race to the bottom approach on these couple of OTAs. So I think that was a really, really big thing that we did that that really changed the game for us. You know, other than that, I think also was the fact that we worked really closely with the developer 
and really took advantage of the resort amenities. So in Encore, they built a massive water park. They had restaurants. They had you know a kid center and sports facilities and all these really cool things. So we actually took a lot of our time to make sure that we were helping to operate and program those things. So nice. now our guests, instead of just renting a home, they're getting to rent a home, but then have all these really cool services like room service or restaurants you can go to or full day activities programs and things you just would never see with a traditional vacation rental. So I think, you know, you put those things together, it really it differentiated us in a big way. And it was a much different offering than the other vacation rental companies, what, what they were providing. No, it's really impressive and smart. All the other companies, like you said, are offsite and kind of managing and sending their employees all different all over the place without actually seeing what's going on. Exactly. So it's hard to manage homes. A lot of people don't realize they are. I put it on Airbnb, they try it themselves. And then they realize, oh, man, my housekeeper didn't show up or my engineer didn't show up. Were you yeah. having to get in at the early days to start getting things set up and organized the way you expected? Hundred percent, yeah. Just just like our BurgerFi business, we uh, we rolled up our sleeves and we had to experience everything to really um, to learn it, so we could train it and replicate it. So you know everything from marketing, revenue management, sales, uh, housekeeping, maintenance, front desk, guest service. I mean, you name it. We accounting, owner services. That was actually something. Going back to your previous question. One of the things we found was that there wasn't dedicated owner ambassadors in a lot of these companies, and we said to ourselves, you know what, our, our company, our lifeblood is our owners. You know, if we're not making them happy, and if we're not there for them at all times, then you know we're we're going to be in trouble. So we we really took a lot of time to master our craft and and get in and really develop the processes and procedures that helped us perform at a really high level. How quickly were you adding homes to your company at the start? Was it something like a slow burn, or was it picking up quick and people are like, oh, I like these guys. Uh, it was pretty quick. Within the first year, we picked up at Encore about 150 homes. So it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it was pretty fast. You know, And then going into about the end of the second year, that's when Margaritaville was starting to launch. So we were able to pick up a lot of homes in Margaritaville as well and uh, get involved in that resort. And then shortly after that, we got involved with the uh, Jack Nicholas Resort that was in Reunion called Bear's Den. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now, fast forward to today, we have Spectrum. We have the Embassy, Embassy Suites uh, residences by Hilton. Uh, so we have lots of product now uh, in the market and in pretty short period of time, seven years, we've gone from zero houses to now we have, you know, in the Orlando market over 500. And we also have about 13, over 13,000 units now worldwide in all of our properties. That's so cool. I you know. I think it just shows if you can yeah. just make a little difference, it helps so much in growing that in your business, just finding the weakness of some of the others. But I want to talk about Margaritaville. So I've actually stayed there. I stayed there in, it's got to be right before the pandemic. might've been like February, 2020. And I got a five bedroom townhouse. And so for listeners, if you haven't seen it, go check out Margaritaville, Orlando. They have a hotel component. Maybe Nick, I'll let you tell you what, what is it? Tell the listeners, what is Margaritaville in Orlando? Yeah, we, uh, you know, at the time, we actually worked really closely with the developer. We felt that there was a, um, a hole in the Orlando market in regards to this type of product offering. Orlando's always been very young person centric, you know, with Disney and Universal, and there's so many things to do for young people. We felt there had to be a place where you could bring a whole family and there was something for everybody, something for the adults all the way to the kids. So we felt, number one, Margaritaville was the perfect brand for that. It brings a lot of fun. It's really appealing to all ages. So number one, we said, okay, great brand to associate with our hotel and our resort residential product. But the property itself is much more than just the hotel. We have over 250 room hotel. We have now over 450 cottages and then hundreds of more villas coming online that are all part of the rental program. But on top of that, we actually have um, a very nice retail entertainment district 
with over 15 restaurants. You know, we have uh, entertainment in there, Game Time, our entertainment center. We have movie theater, all kinds of really fun stuff for people to do. So they could literally walk down the street out of their hotel room or out of their uh, resort residence and have these great experiences right on site. We also built a full uh, water park open to the public called Island Age Show Live that competes with all the Disney water parks and whatnot. So, you know, again, you don't have to go off property. We really built a destination. So it's, it's an amazing property. It's got stuff for everybody and it's, it's very, very unique. So for anyone that's not been there, we'd love to have you. I can vouch for it. And so this is what, where it struck me was when I got there, you know, I've stayed in vacation rentals and I thought, all right, it's going to be like a separate neighborhood, kind of like Encore. And I didn't know yep. what to expect. I was like, oh, I got to check in inside the hotel and there's a rental check-in there's a rental yep. resorts check-in i was like how does this work and that's when i for you for guys first came on my radar and i started like research i was like wow these guys are integrated with the hotel and i love that model so i love what you're doing Thank and you, you mentioned working with the developer is that something that you had a relationship from before is that someone you knew from before you know everyone's be like i want to find a developer now i want to go do it how did you make that happen yeah, you know, what was really cool, again, we were able to tie together with the family business. The first couple of resorts we did was developed by the family, but they have no clue how to how to rent them and how to do what we do. We were able to really complement each other, which we were proud of. After we, we did that, we've now created relationships with dozens of developers around the world, and that's really allowed us to expand the way we've been doing. So kind of created a footprint, and now we're able to take it all over the place with lots of different partners. That's great. And so... What is it like? Do you have somebody running each of these resorts now or are they, and they're reporting to you? So you have like a GM of each property? Yeah, we have a GM. We have full resort staff at each property. And then we also have a corporate infrastructure. So people that will come in and support on the food and beverage, on the sales, the marketing, revenue, uh, operations, you name it. So very nice corporate support infrastructure. A lot of those people report to me as well as biz dev teams and technology teams. So we have a pretty diverse org chart. That's very cool. So Nick, Working at a place that has a hotel, Airbnb just announced that they're having apartment buildings that are friendly to Airbnbs, but you're working with a hotel on site and the hotel has its goals too. So how do you work kind of hand in hand or is it not like that with the hotel? What is the relationship working with a hotel on site when you're managing the vacation rentals? It's completely synergistic. Usually hotel and homes are kind of enemies of each other. You know, the homes are taking demand away. We've created a model where we could really infuse the two together to create a lot of upside. So everything that we do is with the ultimate goal of really combining the two. We combine the P&L. We make sure that we have common goals. We find that with the hotel attached to the homes, it actually creates tremendous upside. For example, in group business, instead of 250 rooms, I have thousands of rooms uh, between all the homes I could take advantage of. So it helps with food and beverage, with your utilization of all the amenities, the meeting space, uh, and it really takes everything up a notch. It also helps us with upgrading. So if people rent a hotel room or whatnot, we have the ability to enhance their stay or putting them in bigger units. So very, very synergistic. We've had a tremendous amount of success bringing the two together. That's so unique. That's a very cool way of looking at things. I think you're going to see more and more of that. I, I've been preaching about yeah. that and I love staying at it. And so your product, I've been preaching to the hotels I worked with. So man, this is something that I would want to stay at, right? So now yeah. I see Ritz Carlton residences is coming and St. Regis residences and across the street from me, the addition hotels opening residences, but it's not that combo of vacation home and hotel. So a lot, a lot of the brands are doing it in the condo format. There's a lot of complexities that come in doing it with single family homes. 
And uh, to your point, we are big believers that that's where the market's going. That's really what our company is built to do at this point is to be that turnkey solution for developers that are looking to do build for rent properties like this, where being that we have the development background knowledge, how to finance it, how to operate it, how to brand it. We really come in and we provide a menu of services that's a turnkey solution to make these things happen. So that's that's really our business model as we go forward. And as I said, stated earlier, we're working with dozens of developers around the world to build new ones of these all over the place. That's awesome. So, you know, go on your website now. I was checking it out over the last yeah. couple of days and I see that you're in multiple cities now. So mm-hmm. is the model changing a little bit? Because you're not managing all of these places, right? Mm-hmm. What is that looking like? So if I go on the website now and book Miami, I see you have places here in Fort Lauderdale, Miami. How did, how did that evolve? Yeah, we um, because people are loving the product and they love staying in homes in a resort setting, we want it to be known as the brand platform where you can go to a trusted place and know you're getting that home in a resort setting. A lot of other distribution channels, they'll have a component that says rent a home in a resort, but a lot of the time you rent that home and you don't have access to all the amenities and services. Right. And so rental as a brand, that's really our calling card is, you know, when you rent from us, you're getting a home that's part of the resort, you're getting full access. So we act as a, both a distribution channel, but also like I was saying before, we'll work with developers to build these from the ground up. And then in that case, we'll become the brand and management company of the resort. So we really control the destiny of it and the success of it. So we have both. We have properties that we manage completely and we we are the brand. And we have properties that we're more acting as a distribution partner. Very smart. And so now you're adding another component to this, which is Spire and yep. Spire loyalty. And I think I know why you've created it, but I want to hear from you why yep. this was created. Yeah, so Spire Loyalty, it's a multi-industry loyalty platform. And you know, I'll explain what that means in a, a little bit. But the inspiration behind it was we feel that with travel loyalty, it's something that majority of people don't travel all the time. Maybe they're taking one, two, three trips a year. And so a loyalty program associated with that, you're going to pick up that app only a couple times a year. We did a tremendous amount of research and found out that the most impactful apps and and the ones that people use the most are ones that you can get a daily value from and something that you're going to pick up every day and use constantly. And we also felt that if we develop something that was in that realm, we're going to be able to have more marketing capability to our customers and really take that communication with them to another level. So we developed our loyalty program to where not only can you earn and redeem points for your stay, but we wanted to also have it where that could translate into being able to earn and redeem points in other types of businesses. So for example, we built it to where you can get those travel points. You come and stay at Margaritaville, you get your travel points, but then you you can go back home and use those travel points in your local ecosystem to go dine or shop. In the next phases, we're actually going to be building it where you could earn and redeem points for real estate transactions as well. Because we want to not only have it where it's a day-to-day impact, but you could aspire to build up points in your normal daily habits to then put towards your largest transactions in life. So um, the original name for it, which we didn't go with, was Points for Living. We felt we want to give points for everything that someone does in their life. We, cha- we changed the name and the branding or whatnot. But really, that's kind of the goal is to create a loyalty program that does stick with you on a daily basis and really create a lot more value than what you would get from other travel loyalty programs. And how are you seeing the pickup? Are people using it? Is it starting to gain a lot of traction? How's it looking? Uh, we are. It's in its early stages. You know, So we are um, still going through a lot of testing and development, but we did our first rollout a few months ago. We've gotten a lot of really good uh, reviews from it, and we're about to do some new releases that will enhance the offering and where people can use and, and uh, earn their points. So 
uh, as we continue to build it out further, we're really excited for where it's going and getting a lot of uh, really positive reviews so far. All right, I'm at the downloaded right after this. So yeah, I'll, get, I'll awesome. get on that, man. So you, you've had ultra success here pretty quickly, it looks like. What's on the horizon? You know, I hate asking like five years from now, but like in the next 12 to 24 months, what's what are some goals you have? Yeah, so I would say in the next one to two years, we, we want to continue diversifying into new locations. We, like I said before, we have a little over 13,000 homes now in our network. I could see that hopefully growing in the next two years to be over 50,000. We have new brand partnerships. Some Maybe if we talk again in a month, I could announce mm-hmm. another really big partnership that's coming that we're really excited about. But um, we've done a partnership with Jack Nicholas to uh, build Bears Den residences all around the world. So we definitely want to continue expanding that brand. And uh, that's something we're really passionate about in that partnership. You know, And I would say that the other big goal of ours is to continue to develop out the loyalty program we were just talking about. What I'd love to see over the next two years is to infuse thousands of different businesses around the world that people could take advantage of in the Spire platform. So those are definitely some of our key goals over the next couple of years and making sure that people that love this type of experience, they can go anywhere they want and and get that. You know, I think that's really my core goal is to give people that option wherever they want to travel. Sounds like a great plan for the next two years. And you've been gracious with your time here, Nick. I know how busy you are running all of these companies. So I want to ask my last question. Yeah. So you're still young, but let's go back to young Nick coming out of Tallahassee, just graduated Florida State. If he was starting as a member of your team today. So young Nick is starting with you in hospitality. What advice would you give him starting today? Yeah, I would say biggest advice for a young person is you're going to run into roadblocks. You're going to run into challenges. You're going to have those moments where you said, man, how am I going to get through this? And I think based on the last 12 years of my career, the best advice I could say is just plow through it. You will have these swings of emotions on a day-to-day basis. Some days you're going to wake up and you're going to feel like you can conquer the world. And the other days you're going to say, man, I can't do anything right. And um, what I found is that usually you're in reality, you're somewhere more in the middle. And so I think stay steady, stay level and uh, you know, plow through any challenges. Don't give up. If you don't give up, you're going to get to where you want to be. I think it's a great place to end our conversation. Nick, I appreciate you taking the time to join That's us today and sharing so much knowledge. I'm very grateful for you sharing your time. No, thank you. It's been an honor to be on the uh, podcast. I really appreciate the time, Steve. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome.